There was a time when a congressman or senator would actively pursue an agenda contrary to the president of the United States, let alone pursue an agenda for a candidate to be the nominee to be the president of the United States. They did so because in their independent judgment, not to do so would be in a disservice to those who elected them. There was a time when the idea that a president would commit a crime was unthinkable, let alone would consider themselves above the law and not subject to such base elements. There was a time when nomination races would last longer than the two whitest, least diverse caucuses slash primaries, when candidates had to campaign in multiple states representing black voters, Hispanic voters, and even people from Florida. But that time is not now. Now it is time for You the People. I'm Corey Hogan. That was Stephen Carter, Stephen One Take Carter. And tonight we're going to be talking about the upcoming South Carolina primary, I think. Maybe. Stephen still kind of leads this. I I came in with an energy like I was in command of this show, but I'm not. I, I got to be honest with you. I'm not. I'm not entirely on top of US politics. I'm always a little more on top of it than I think. It kind of bleeds into us here in this country. But uh, yeah, not not fully on top. But hey, before we get to the, the meat, yeah, the pith, if you will, the core of everything that... Did you hear that? There's a cat outside. That's great. There's a cat outside. Fantastic. Okay. Well, now I guess I got two things to talk about. I got to talk about the cat and I got to talk about listener mailbag. Oh, let's do listener We've mailbag. We've gotten feedback. We got feedback? Yeah. Yeah, we did. I think it might have been from Zane. Probably wondering why he wasn't invited on the show. Yeah, probably. But here's, here's, the, here's the listener feedback question. Why isn't it just Strategist American Edition? I like the Strategist intro more. And uh, thank you, listener, anonymous listener. I guess the answer to that is because we already paid for the intro music yeah. for you, the people, and so and it's really long, feels like we, which is nice. We we talked about how it's got yeah. some length to it, and uh, yeah. Um, and I would like to remind this listener that we don't do it for her. I mean them. I mean I don't know who it is. I mean. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So uh, whoever you are. Who, I, whoever you are. Th- that's the answer to the question. All right. Very good. Fe- very good. February 24th, my friend. Yeah. February 24th. Fe- no, February. February. Yeah. February 24th. You know what's well, going to happen? This is this is bad even for... You know what's going to uh, happen? What is going to happen? What's going to happen? The Republicans are going to have the South Carolina primary. Now, the Democrats already had... Yeah, and it turns primary. out that Joe Biden did very well, and 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 well, uh, well, given that he's really the only person in the race, um, that's pretty impressive. But still, I think that what was <laughs> what, what people were worried about were black voters. Would black voters actually come back? That to, was a weird phrasing, but yeah, I'll give you another go with that one. What people were worried about were black voters, and what. That's the exact same way I said That's it the first just, time. Yeah, you don't want to say it that way. Hang on. I think you got to think about it a bit. What people were worried about was the participation rates of black voters. No, oh, that still doesn't sound good. <laughs> Anyways, black voters were the ones who were holding the keys to the success, uh, the potential success of Joe Biden and, and him holding on to his office. So him getting a higher percentage of black voters participating in the South Carolina primary was really a a significant milestone and really the only thing of note uh, that I can think of that came from the South Carolina primary for the Democrats. 
Which is why, Corey, I wanted to talk about the Republican South Carolina. Oh, so you didn't want my detour into the well, Democratic Well, if, if you did, that... maybe I'd have been more prepared and wouldn't have said, uh, <laughs> people are concerned about said. black yeah. voters. Yeah. You, you said it again. Like, again, you just well, you keep you digging know, that hole. I like, I like to keep my oppo research team uh, really uh, hopping. You know, yeah, they got to dig deep yeah. for all these, all these different takes that I've got. February 24th, yeah. uh, Nikki Haley versus Donald Trump. Here's what pisses me off, Corey. Here's what pisses me off. Okay. Everybody's writing off Nikki Haley, right? She doesn't exist. Yeah. It's not going to happen. She's not going to win South Carolina. She's not going to be able to make anything happen in Super Tuesday. And that may be true, but we still have two and a half more weeks before this primary actually happens. Two and a half more weeks uh, uh, before we actually see what the outcome looks like. Shouldn't we, at the very least, wait to see what the open primary determines for Nikki Haley? Shouldn't we see if she can get above 50%? I mean, wouldn't it be something if she won her home state? Well, okay, but let's talk about that. It is her home state, right? It's not as though she doesn't have roots there. It's not as though she wasn't, I don't know, governor there. Yeah. So... Does it not seem like even getting just 50% of the vote there in the state that she should be most likely to win? Does that not seem like the lowest of bars that she's failing to clear at this particular moment? Like, uh, let me play the other side. Why should we take this campaign seriously at this point? She lost in Iowa. She She lost in New Hampshire. You can argue about whether she underperformed or not, but she lost. And now she's going into her home state and the polls are showing her back, what, 15 points? At least, uh, yeah. Polls? I mean, sure, it's more like thirty, but at this stage, <laughs> it, it could change at any moment. I mean, anything could happen. Sure, I mean, absolutely. He drops fifteen points because he turns out that he's he is a criminal, and she picks up that fifteen points. Man, it's suddenly seriously close. And you know what? We've seen moves. We've seen moves. Hold on a minute. Yeah. Are you telling me yeah. that if this 30-point gap closes to zero points, it will be a closer race? Are you really going to make that bold prediction? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do, Corey. You okay. know what? You you are, you are and I are going to have words <laughs> by the end of this podcast. I'm struggling here, and you're just making fun of me. Just making fun I of think, me. I think, I think, yeah, what you were saying is kind of the the hope that so many are carrying in the United States on the Democratic side, on kind of the independent side, on the Republican, hasn't lost their mind, still thinks of themselves as a Republican, not a mega Republican side. But I equally think it is just hope. It is hopium. It's delusion. It's this idea that there is a race holding on against all evidence to the contrary. When this this bird is cooked, this is done. Donald Trump is the nominee. Is- now we just get to see... How and in what order? My God, he's replacing the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee yeah, right well, now. That's what's in the news today. Ronna Ro- Romney was never going to last that long. Was I, I was impressed that she got reelected at all. I mean, she's re- married into the Romney clan. So, okay. But do you really think that in a normal time where there was a race that was even remotely in question, one of the candidates would be able to strong arm out a sitting chairwoman of the rnc well it's over it's done okay you're a man looking for signs and you know what they say about a man looking for signs right no i don't actually i actually can't remember how that saying goes but they'll find them 
You're finding them. Well, that's really good. You're finding those signs. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually doing a whole uh, chapter of my book on uh, confirmation bias. So really well done. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's a yeah. really nice well, thing for welcome. bringing that up. Uh, <laughs> Plug in your book too. I know, right? My God. Which is really nerve wracking because yeah. it is nowhere near done. It's barely started, <laughs> right? Like it could fall apart. Did you just moment. you just soft launched your book? I did. The people pre-order at uh, the strategist. Is there a pre-order? Is there? I, don't a, know. Oh. I mean, we could take their money. Oh Do we God. have to deliver? I don't know. Oh my God. That just feels like a big liability on our books. I got to tell you. Yeah. Well, as the accountant, you'd be very upset about that. That would be. I wouldn't love it. Yeah. The best and like... highest use for your MBA, by the way, is being our accountant. Is... <laughs> That's the best yeah. and highest The use. Strategist Media Corporation. Yeah. That's Ooh. right. Yeah. Boy, thanks yeah. for doing that. Hey, it's very okay. good. So you're dismissing you're my thesis about the South Carolina I primary. I am. I need you to be serious. I okay. need you to focus. Well, then let's here. be serious. Amer- let's let's shift over then. Let's talk about the Washington, uh, D.C. Court of Appeal. And they're ruling today that uh, President Trump still has to face, the, is, is actually Citizen Trump, as as he's facing these charges from, uh, from Jack Smith and the insurrection on January the 6th. That's kind of a big deal, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it is and it isn't. It shouldn't actually be that shocking that we would determine that the law applies to a sitting president. That was always sort of the kind of the Republican myth that Americans told themselves. No one was above the law. You know, it's a rule of law, system of laws. We are we are all kind of subservient to the Constitution. That's why they swear an oath to the Constitution and the laws, right? And when you look back on, uh, I think it was Ulysses S. Grant was arrested for being drunk in Washington, D.C., somewhere. I can't remember what he did specifically. He got thrown in jail, but he was like, yeah, that's how it's got to be. You got to arrest me. I'm breaking the law. I might be president, right? But there, there was this sort of expectation that a president was just another citizen, a citizen entrusted with an important duty. What Donald Trump had somewhat... Uh, posited through his lawyers was that no actually a president is above the law the law does not apply to a president and the you know the short version of his argument was well because otherwise people would harass them for their actions right they would they would potentially go to jail their political opponents would jail them i think kind of telling on themselves and what they would do with their political opponents but also i'd observe that actually hasn't happened in the hundreds of years of american history right He's really the only president who is at risk of going to jail. And so uh, the, uh, you know, the Court of Appeal said, no, sorry about that. You are actually subject to the laws of this nation. And, you know, the, you know, the cosmic ballet goes on. Let me tell you, uh, President Trump actually released a statement today through his lawyers. And that that really jumped on to this idea that every president will wind up in jail. I mean, he, he said, essentially, um, this is going to force a situation where, you know, every time there's a change in government, the, the, the president before will be prosecuted and put in jail. And I, I think you make a really good point. It's never happened. Never happened. Yeah. Right. In fact, uh, you know, President Nixon, the only one that we could really, really point to some crimes being committed, was actually pardoned by Gerald Ford. Now, that might have cost him the subsequent election um, and resulted in uh, President Jerry, uh, Jimmy Carter. But nonetheless, uh, we, we've never seen the prosecution of a former president in the United States. Um, just one guy, just one guy who happened to do a bunch of stuff. So, that guy yeah. seems to be pretty worried. Many times, it. different different things too. 
right? The one, and there's one more thing I wanted to bring up, and that is what the framers wanted, right? What the framers of the, of the Constitution wanted was not a king, right? A king is, by definition, above the law. They did not want a king. I'll tell you, though, King Charles is not above the law of cancer. But everybody else... What? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> oh, uh, nothing, nothing that's going to make it into the final episode okay, I'm just as saying. long as I remember to edit it. So, okay. Yeah. Did you write that down? You got the time? To, uh, the time to I'll, I'll, I'll remember. But the I'm framers sure. did not want the president to be a king. The, the, the framers and ev- basically every subsequent president, um, expected that the president would be subject to the law. Uh, even Richard Nixon, when he, uh, he resigned rather than face a, a uh, you know, an impeachment that was definitely going to go against him. The fact that the Republicans did not vote to impeach Trump uh, in, you know, after January the 6th uh, is really the, the beginning of the sin of not holding this particular president accountable. They should have impeached him. They should have made it so that he couldn't seek further future office. And uh, instead, now we're stuck with this guy who's uh, creating all kinds of havoc. Well, the norms, it's not a blinded insight to say, have kind of dropped one by one on this particular thing. But uh, you go back to, and yet he is going to probably wrap up in any sense, the Republican nomination in the next couple of weeks here. So we have a situation where there is a guy who doesn't actually seem to care too much about most of the norms. He is under a lot of indictments, a lot of indictments, you know. Not even like two or three. We're talking dozens of indictments here yeah. across multiple states, across multiple jurisdictions. And um, he is going to be the Republican nominee, and he's right in there in any kind of these various polls. Well, I mean, it's, so, uh, there is one re- remaining question, and that is the question of can Trump be on the ballot? And the U.S. Supreme Court is going to start hearing oral arguments on that case on Thursday. Uh, So two days from when we're recording this podcast, uh, Donald Trump faces another significant issue. Now, I think the I think that the smart money is on the court allowing him to run, allowing democracy to function the way that people envisioned it. But isn't it fun to to play the intellectual exercise of what if? Of what if? What if? What what does it take? Uh, It takes Roberts, Kavanaugh, and. I think it's just Roberts and Kavanaugh who have to move, right? Theoretically, both Guess. of them could move against Trump. And that would be, I mean, that would be terrible, actually. It was a 5-4. Uh, that would not be good for the uh, future of the Republic as it is. But maybe it goes all the way to 7-2, and the only holdouts are the lunatics, uh, which would be pretty fantastic. Pretty fantastic. Again, this is, this is the same line of delusional hope that the Nikki Haley uh conversation no this this first of all give me some fucking credit this is the same line of delusional hope that was against trump in 2016 this this dates back (laughs) right this dates back this is something that i've been holding on to for eight fucking years so i mean don't sell me short my friend that's delusion that's a good point this delusion lasts for a long time i'm dying to see what happens on thursday i want to see how the "Quote unquote conservative justices approach the questioning of uh, you know the oral arguments and the questioning of the lawyers for each side. It's going to be fantastic. 
Well, you know, if we end up being surprised, if there are some skeptical questions from the justices you mentioned, if all of a sudden it looks like Trump's uh, candidacy is in legal jeopardy, obviously we're in a whole new ballgame. And I suppose in a funny way, maybe this is a way to jump back to South Carolina and Nikki Haley in a certain sense. And, and actually beyond that, like one of the things I'd always assumed was half the reason to stay in the Republican race is it's like buying... In, an insurance policy on a house that is a magnet for lightning, you know, that has bad wiring, that looks like it could fall down at any particular moment. Someone's willing to sell you this policy. It's right there. Why don't you do it? You know, the reality is he's under so many different legal threats. He's under, um, you know, them in multiple jurisdictions. Some of them may go forward. He may end up not being able to be the candidate for a lot of different reasons, uh, both practical and actually legal, as you mentioned. And while it doesn't seem probable that he'll be taken off the ballot, there's chances that he could fall out of all sorts of things. I mean, he's also just a really old guy, if we're going to get crass about it, too. So why wouldn't you go the distance, even if you get your clock cleaned every single Every single race, because you may end up having the second most delegates and be basically the only choice left. Well, and, and I think that that has to be playing for Haley and part of it. I mean, um, the Supreme Court is just but one decision that's going to happen. I mean, what other things could happen? He, he could wind up in jail. Um, that is a very reasonable uh, threat that he faces. If he does wind up in jail, do the Republicans finally change their minds or do they just simply go down the track of, well, this is a corrupt system uh, targeting an innocent man? I mean, that's been their path so far, Corey. Yeah. I, it's hard to imagine that they wouldn't uh, follow that all the way to the end. Uh, but, the, you know, the way that the D.C. Court of Appeal framed their decision, this thing is going back to, to Judge Justice Chutkin. Uh, to make his, you know, to, to begin the trial. This was the one that was originally scheduled for March the 4th. Uh, it yeah. sounds like it's going to be delayed a little bit, but it does not sound like this this decision uh, is going to really be appealable. It, it really feels like well, it's going to be something that is, it may, you know, the, the trial may be able to begin even, even if the Supreme Court is looking at the question. Well, I don't know if she can start the trial if the Supreme Court's looking at it. I'd have to look at the decision again. Certainly, she can't look at, or she can start the trial if they appeal to kind of the full appeal panel, right? That was one of yeah. the things that was clear in the decision. So, you know, lots of lots of legal rope for everybody to walk through here. But I think this is the other thing that's worth noting. This is a primary season, and we are talking way more about the legal wrangling that is going on with the, the presumptive nominee. Like, everything's topsy-turvy. Everything. Well, I mean, it's in, in no small part because of what you said earlier. I mean, the odds of Trump not being the candidate are, are slim to none. The odds of Biden not being the candidate are slim to none. Um, you know, if there's no question of, of the outcome, then, you know, the political wrangling is all we have left. The political ju judicial... Uh, back and forth. I mean, there is nothing else to discuss except what's going on with the court cases. You know, um, in 2015, 2016, we were all over these things. I yeah. remember having to learn things like delegate apportionment rules and, and how the superdelegates worked with the Democrats yeah. and all of this shit and, you know, try to find the limits of 
of their various sets of, of expectations, rules, you know, the polling that was going on and all of this. And I had a fear that I was going to have to do that again this time, but that fear is now gone. Now I can just kind of sit here and complain about the state of American democracy. Well, the state but, of American democracy scares the shit out of me, but that's probably a different yeah, yeah. topic for a different day. Is it? I mean, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- you didn't write. Actually, you didn't it's write probably your a good time to segue into the into the third one that I was talking about, and that is that we've got a a, a candidate to be the nominee for president in in Donald Trump that has decided that he's going to take certain issues off the table, uh, in, including the child uh, welfare benefit and the uh, immigration uh, reform bill that that frankly the Democrats made significant significant concessions to even be talking about. It had always been the Democrats' primary principle that they would not talk about immigration without a holistic approach to people who had already immigrated to to the United States uh, and how we were going to, or how they were going to deal with them. And the Democrats took that off the table and were willing to talk about the border issues. And the Republicans seemed thrilled right up to the point when Donald Trump said, no, I don't want that. I want that as an election issue. Uh, is it going to be an election issue, Corey? If you say, I want something to be an election issue, doesn't it on some level take it off the table? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, it is interesting to see his sway on kind of the Republican Congress, particularly the House, right? Where there is a real strong vein of if the president says jump, we say how high. It's not as you mentioned in your intro, which you delivered impeccably the first Thank time. You. First, we didn't, we didn't have to restart. Take. One take. We didn't have to restart. Yeah. a boatload of times. Um, the the Congress is not showing a, a deeply independent streak, and there was some reporting in the New York Times in this last couple of days that basically put out the theory. Well, part of the problem is if he ran on this, I should have been president. This was stolen from me. So I am the president in a sense. The minute he got everybody to buy into that, it became impossible for them to maneuver around it. Like if, if you have accepted this premise that the election was stolen and he should be president, then there's a certain deference to the president that comes with that. Right. So they've, they've painted themselves into this crazy corner and there is no escaping this, this vein of, of mega Republicanism now, as long as, as long as there is this kind of mass delusion that he lost the election by hook and by crook. Yeah, I mean, th- that is the original sin. Uh, you know, I think that this is the problem. When you start to accept uh, falsehoods as your as your core premise, it never leads you into a, into a strong position. It takes you only towards weakness. And I'm not sure how the Republicans get themselves out of this weakness. Um, you know, we can pretend like... Everything is just going to work itself out, but it doesn't necessarily just work itself out. It is a far more complex idea, and we've never really seen. I mean, sure, we've seen spin, we've seen uh, you know th- those types of issues before, th- those types of techniques used, but I don't think we've ever u- seen out and out falsehoods uh, used for this long uh, to create a political dynasty for lack of a better word well and speaking of dynasty this is um if he ended up in jail i do feel like we would just see don jr at debates you know do you think i don't know i don't i don't think he's this who's the smart trump i guess it's ivanka 
I don't know. Ivanka's gone. She doesn't exist anymore. She hasn't been seen in public for for such a long time that no one, I, I you know, she used to true? be right there. Oh yeah, she's oh, not wow. with. She's not with her father anymore. She's off huh. with uh, Jer- Jared making money with the Saudis. Yeah, well, it's always a always a strong play hanging out know, in Saudi Arabia. I don't know how anybody can look at themselves when they're when they're being, you know, supported solely by the Saudi government like that to me <laughs> like how do you yeah. look at yourself in the mirror i don't know it's not great this feels it's not like, great at all it feels like an impossible thing you know like what a joke but i yeah. i just you know there used to be a really important time when congress really was a check and balance on the presidency and that's the other thing that's gone like without a check and balance uh, if if the Congress simply works for the President of the United States, like the Congress didn't work just simply for Obama. There were Democrats that demanded differences and different changes and different ways of approaching things, whether they were senators or individual Congress people. That was a core part of the checks and balances and how Obamacare came to be and how uh, decisions get made. You know, and we can we can argue. I mean, our system's so different because. Basically, we elect uh, a prime minister, and that prime minister is given full control uh, by their their caucus, and that becomes a, you know, I mean, we we playfully refer to it as an elected dictatorship, um, but it certainly has more in common with with that than the checks and balances system of of the United States. But this is this is a, all but annihilated that checks and balance system. Yeah, well, that was that's. This is obviously the end of that road, but we've been on that journey for a while. You look at the United States since the 90s, they've they've certainly become more like a parliament, right? I think probably since Newt Gingrich, you can you can draw a pretty clear line from like we're just going to vote as a block. We're not going to negotiate the way we used to negotiate, which was individually and, you know, random yeah. earmarks for states and all of that. And this is this is the end of that road, right? Like they are effectively a parliamentary party for a country founded on a loathing of of those parliaments and the authority that's a a poor form by them i guess right uh but your point is well taken this is not a system that was designed to have this kind of concentration and saturation of power the whole thing was set up out of suspicion of people who acted exactly exactly the way donald trump is acting exactly the way the leaders in congress are acting this like demanding of blind obedience and this demanding that they have authority above and beyond everybody else um and we you know it's been observed by many people and i'll observe it today the presidency is not article one of the u.s constitution right the power is really supposed to be with the congress and the congress has just surrendered just surrendered at this point what are the consequences of that surrender uh, I mean, I guess that America is going to be just flipping back and forth and undoing decisions whenever there's an election that changes the particular government. Like it, it used to be much more gradual, I guess. But now I think you're going to have these massive periods of deadlock where you've got divided government and then these small periods of unified government that just rams through a generation worth of changes, including changes to the Supreme Court and all of that. And it just sort of feels like that's where we're at now. And to be, you know, I hate to, because there's no both sides in here. Like the Republicans have broken their Republic. But the um, the reality is the Democrats did do a little bit of that during that early Obama years too, when they had the supermajority, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that 
going back to Newt Gingrich is probably the best the best play, right? Because you, you really are reminding me of the the changes that he undertook and the 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 the, the breaking of the the rules, the breaking of the the norms. Um, you know, are these norms good? Are these norms what we, you know, if we were to look back at it, like, am I looking at it through rose colored glasses? That For sure norms, you are, but keep going. <laughs> you know, because I think that we do need some sort of norms that we can, that we can construct government around, whether it's, you know, the norm of truth that I, I talked about earlier, or the norm of checks and balances and, and people representing those who send them to Congress. Um, you know, I, I think that those norms are fairly important, aren't they? Like, or am I just, just you know, well, totally missing the mark on it? Look, I'll say this. The American Constitution was written a fuck ton of years ago yeah. by a bunch of people who would wet themselves if they saw an iPhone, who owned people, and it's been just patched very roughly based on atrocities over the years, yeah. right? Like, oh, we had a civil war based on wanting to own people. Let's just throw a few things more in there. Oh, we've got another war going and we don't have enough money. Let's create an income tax. Oh, we got, you know, like very reactively changes kind of came in and out of the constitution. You think about even prohibition and all of this here. This is a rickety old house. Like this is one that's got uh, renovations and additions that are a varying quality depending on who owned it at any given time, right? And... uh, they can't imagine everything, but <laughs> but at the time they they kind of constructed it with this idea that they would dissuade a lot of the things we now find ourselves with, right? This this idea that you would have only celebrity and you wouldn't even know your Congress people, that you would have this these partisan blocks that were so bloody powerful. Obviously, partisanship came in very early into the American experience, but I like it wasn't designed for this. It's been venerated. It's like, it's actually kind of like the people who just, you know, there's this old saying in architecture, right? Something is not good because it's old. Something is not better because it's new, right? You've kind of got to look at the the bones of it all here. Yeah. But it's just this venerated system that doesn't deserve the veneration it gets. But it's a problem because now you've got a group of people who worship this document that is letting them down. And I don't, you know, what's going to, what's going to resolve? They have to get back to norms for their system to work. Cause you know, the only other alternative is blowing the whole fucking thing up. And I just don't see how that happens. In well, the and States. blowing the whole thing up is, is just extremely literal. I think like, I think that oh, people God. don't understand how <laughs> democracies change, right? Democracies don't change in some sort of um, slow moving, uh, rational way they they change dramatically quickly and that dramatically quickly is often in in some sort of a civil war i mean the united states went through one already um there's absolutely no reason to believe that it wouldn't go through again democracies are fragile but we don't acknowledge that enough we don't tend them enough because we're so interested in power we sometimes just forget to to actually tend the democracy uh, the thing that has, you know, brought us the value. Yeah, the tree of liberty, you know, has to be something blood of tyrants, you know. I get, I, I don't Look know. At you, I, you're I, a revolutionary. I get scared shitless about this whole thing. Well, sure, and we live next door. It's kind of like watching your neighbors lose their minds. I yeah. guess you start thinking, ah, what's the fireproofing on my siding here? I'm not really sure they've got it together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so those were the three things I wanted to talk about, and I can't remember how we end this show. Well, that was like 30 minutes. Is that- what the fuck? Yeah. They're not paying extra for this. They're getting it for free. <laughs> Did we have an ending? <laughs>